Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, Pats Nation. This is the Patriots Beat Podcast. New and approved right here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Mr. Mike Nice, here with my co-host, DJ Mees, and we once hosted Double M Sports, but now we are the new faces of this show. Patriots Beat Podcast, and I tell you, man, it's good to be a part of the CLNS Radio family. They embraced us, you know, took us in, so we ready to go. DJ Mees, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. First thing's up. DJ Mees, tell us, what do we have on the playlist today? Today on the playlist, you know, we caught up with Kevin Duffy earlier, the sports beat writer of MassLive.com, and we've got his thoughts on the Patriots' past season and what he sees in the foreseeable future this offseason, whether it's about free agency or the draft. And then we got to talk about Roger Goodell. Is he hiding something? Yeah, Goodell, man. What's up with those PSIs, bro? And also... We're going to talk about my guy, your guy. The golden boy? Yes, sir. Tom Brady. Could he play till he's 45? Some people say yes. Some people say no. Who knows? But I tell you what, it will be great to see. But to start things off, earlier today we got a chance to catch up with Kevin Duffy, like we said, the Patriots beat writer at MassLive.com. And we, we, you know, we checked in with him and got his thoughts on all these various topics. So let's listen in on that interview now. All right, so we are now here with sports beat writer Kevin Duffy from MassLive.com. How you doing, Kevin? Good, good. How you guys doing? Doing good. Good to have you here on Patriots Beat here with CLNS Radio Network. So, Kevin, you just saw the Patriots season come to an end last week against the Denver Broncos in the AFC Championship game. Um, but just coming into the season and the playoffs, uh, looking at what everything Patriots and Brady had to go through with, you know, winning the Super Bowl and then dealing with the Flake Gate and all those proceedings and everything, what are your thoughts on the 2015 season for the New England Patriots? I think the 2015 season will probably ultimately be remembered as one of kind of lost potential just because – I think before all the injuries hit, it was pretty clear that they were definitely the best team in the AFC and probably the best team in, in the entire NFL. Definitely. So it was just a combination of things. I think we'll look back at it and and wonder what could have been if so many key guys didn't get hurt. And uh, even though some ended up returning, I mean, Edelman missed weeks 10 through 17, and they went two and four uh, down that stretch, and, and that, uh, that cost them home field advantage. And I think a big reason why they didn't advance to the Super Bowl is because they had to go on the road in Denver. If that game's played in Foxborough, I think you, the Patriots probably beat the Broncos. So, are you sure, uh, are you sure you, though? Are you sorry to cut you off? Are you sure that it was Edelman not not being um, being around in Week 17 that cost us the um, home? Well, Week Week 17 is a, a different story, <laughs> but I just mean general generally. Um, in that stretch, not having Edelman, not having Deion. I mean, Deion Lewis was awesome for for nine weeks. He was he, he 
totally changed the way. I mean, people were scared that Shane Vereen, when Shane Vereen left, that they were going to have trouble filling that spot, and it was such an important spot in the offense. Deion Lewis was amazing. So him going down, Nate Solder going down, Edelman out, Amendola in and out, Dante Hightower in and out, um, Jamie Collins misses four games uh, with illness, and they actually lost the uh, the Week 12 game at Denver was Collins' last game out. So, I mean, just to, to sum up, I guess you would say that just part of why they were the number two seed was because of injuries. And then when they got to Denver, they just didn't play – they did not play a good game at all, and they were beaten by a better team on that day in now, Denver. And now, some God. people, some people really believe that um, if that game was played in Foxborough, there would have been a huge difference. The way I see it is, you know, Foxborough or Denver, the pass rush from the Broncos to me would be the same. I feel like they put the same amount of pressure on Brady, you know, with him in the pocket and everything. Do you feel like there would have been a huge difference with the game being played in Foxborough? Yeah, I do, and it's and I I understand your point, and it makes perfect sense. But it's just there's something about playing a home field playoff game. Definitely, yeah. That there's it's you can't really put your finger on it. You can't quantify it anyway. Yes, it would still be the Pats O line versus the Broncos defensive line, and Denver had a massive advantage in that matchup, which is really that's why Denver won the game basically, is because they they overwhelmed the Patriots offensive line, they they disrupted the entire offense, but. Uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to to put your finger on why it is, but playing at home, I mean, it, it's it, home field is huge in the NFL. I mean, ask Denver how how Denver feels about having that one seed. I'm sure it helps them immensely. Okay. So I, I I do for whatever reason I do think that it would have been a different game if it was played at Gillette instead of at Mile High. I I agree with you, Kevin, because even with all that being said, with the D line of the Broncos being as pow- um, powerless as it is. We were, we only lost by Patriots only lost by two points, and I don't see Gaskowski missing an extra point in Foxborough. I agree, no <laughs> way. Yeah, no, I I don't. I mean, I think he did dink one. He hit the upright on one earlier this year, and and, it, and made it. I forget if it was home or away, but yeah, it's kind of what I was saying before. Just like a lot of things went wrong in that game, and they were outplayed certainly, but they made they just made mistakes that. It's like Brady's interception to Von Miller in the, I think it was, must have been the first quarter. It was definitely the first half. I mean, Brady doesn't make throws like that. Like, that was a terrible decision, and it gave Denver a short field. I think Denver had the ball like, the 20-yard line. And it's not like Denver's offense really did much all day, but that score helped them. Goskowski's missed extra point, came back to her at the Patriots. There was just a lot of things that they didn't do. Um, they were kind of unchar- uncharacteristic in that game. Question, though, a big part of that game that I thought really stood out. In the fourth quarter, uh, Patriots down by five. They went for it on fourth down. In my opinion, I felt like you kick the field goal, um, you get those three points, and then you give the ball back to Peyton Manning and and Broncos offense, who have kind of struggled in that whole second half. You know, Peyton Manning wasn't really getting things going with his receivers. What do you what what are your thoughts on that decision to try to go for it on fourth down instead of maybe kicking the field goal, hoping that your defense can hold down Peyton Manning and giving Brady the chance to have a game winning drive? Yeah, that was kind of the big debate after the game, and um, it wasn't it was an eight point game though at that point it was eight, twenty eight, to twelve not, sorry. Denver, so that that makes it. It had it been a five point game, they probably would have taken the field goal, but so it was it was an eight point game. So at one they were going to need a touchdown at some point, and I. 
it's really, in retrospect, we can look back and say it was the wrong call. I bet Bill Belichick would agree today because it didn't work out the way the Patriots hoped, obviously. But the you, you talked about Denver not being able to move the ball in that game, and they couldn't. The, the Patriots, honestly, had very little success moving the ball, too. So I think Bill Belichick's mindset there was we're pretty deep in Broncos' territory. There's six minutes left. Who knows if we're going to get this deep in their territory again. Like, our offense has not been good. True. All all afternoon, so we might as well go for it. It was also a fourth and one, so it wasn't. It, it, I think Belichick did say in the days after that game, had it been a fourth and six or fourth and seven, they probably would have taken the points. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's the, the, that game came down to a few plays, and they just didn't. I mean, Denver out executed them. The fourth and one it wasn't a bad play call, but it just it, it didn't even have a chance. Like the Chris Harris uh, basically snuffed it out and hit Edelman far behind the line of scrimmage. Definitely. I mean, in retrospect, this, like you said, it was lost potential when you look back into this season. And the reason I feel like it hurt a lot of Patriots fans and Pat's nation is because, you know, we were all fixed up on the the revenge tour. You know what I'm saying? Um, good, We really wanted Goodell to hand us that, that trophy this year. Mm-hmm. And which brings up another thing that's been a story this week. I know you've been on top of it. The the PSI, Roger yep. Goodell, you know, he's he's come out saying there were no violations this year with um, the PSI, but he hasn't come out with any numbers, given us any information with that. What is your take on that? How should we as um, fans or how should the NFL in general see see this issue? Well, I think that they should release the numbers because, I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of it, – it's it, it's telling that they're not because yeah. I think it basically would have – if the numbers would have helped their argument. So basically the, the game I always circle back to and the game that is, has been reported that they took the, the data from this game was that Seahawks-Vikings yep. game when it was like negative six degrees at kickoff. So if if those numbers in in that game from the halftime PSIs looked similar to what the Patriots-Colts footballs looked like at halftime – then it would help the NFL's argument because you could see that there was some some outside factor involved in the deflation of the footballs because you're talking about, I mean, the Patriots game, what people forget in the AFC Championship game, it was 51 degrees at kickoff. It really wasn't cold at all. It was just so, rain. Yeah, yeah, it just rained, but that doesn't affect the the, 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 the PSI drop is purely a, a temperature thing. Yeah. So um, I think that the NFL was definitely going to release the numbers if they looked good for the league. And the fact that they're not releasing them tells me that they probably didn't help the NFL's case, that the numbers are probably all over the place. And and that's not, I guess, that hard to to predict because the numbers were kind of all over the place with the Patriots. You know, on one gauge, a ball measured like 0.8 PSI more than the other. And so I just think that the whole, I mean, the whole thing is just really stupid that it got to this point. It, it's just not, it really wasn't as, whether you think the Patriots are guilty or not, I don't think anyone would argue that this is a big deal of what happened. But the NFL blew it into, you know, epic proportions of, of a scandal here. And they, and then now they're just kind of like, I think they realize that the, the, the numbers just make it look more confusing and more of a mess, and they just don't want to show them to the public because it will only enhance the the viewpoint that this whole thing was dumb and the NFL handled it in a, a terrible way. Exactly. So does... Does this put a black eye in the NFL, or will this just blow over? Do you think? 
it depends who. I mean, I think people from in New England have obviously followed this thing pretty closely, and if you follow closely, you can tell that the NFL did a pretty shoddy job of, of a um, starting. You know, like I mean, they leaked false numbers to ESPN and never corrected those false numbers, which is why the story spun out of control like it did. So I think if you followed it very closely, it's pretty clear, and, yeah, it would put a black eye. I mean, it would kind of change your perception of how those guys in the league office operate. But uh, outside of New England, I mean, I don't know how much detail people really know about this because it's really, like, I mean, it's kind of mind-numbing stuff. Like, I, I, I find it hard to believe, like, someone in Illinois is, like, looking up you know, the PSI and ideal gas laws. I, yeah. I just, I don't know if people outside of really care that much. All right, Kevin. I want to change gears a little bit. Uh, Gary Tengway of Comcast Sportsnet recently came out and said that he feels the Patriots should not give the golden boy what many consider the GOAT, Tom Brady, an extension I know, at the end of his current contract. This guy, you know, Tom Brady, how how people perceive Tom Brady, whether it is New England or you know NFL fans across the nation or in the world, you know how people perceive Tom Brady, and the fact that Gary Tengway, you know, big time Boston, uh, New England sports personality, came out and said, "Don't give this guy an extension," despite how good he's been playing, even at 38 years old. What are your thoughts on that, and possibly, you know, Gary Tengway saying maybe Patriots should start really thinking about moving on from Tom Brady once his contract is over. I think it's a really interesting debate um, because they're going to have to make a choice at some point. They're going to be choosing between a 40-year-old Tom Brady and a 26-year-old Jimmy Garoppolo. So, I mean, even if Brady's playing at a pretty high level by the end of his contract, which is in 2017, I mean, how many real, how many years realistically is he going to be able to sustain that? True. I mean, that's the key question. The Patriots are are going to have to answer. And whether they're, I mean, they might be right, they might be wrong, but they've got to pick one because they're not, I doubt that Garoppolo would re-sign there uh, if Brady was still the quarterback. I think he would want to go to a place. I and mean, you would get good money to go somewhere else because of how desperate other teams are for quarterbacks. I mean, I kind of outlined it earlier this week, just you know, going over it with my roommates, actually. And I think like a third of the league probably would be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, so he would have other opportunities elsewhere. It's a hard. It's going to be a really hard choice to make because you're right. Like right now, I mean, if Brady Brady played excellent all year, I mean, oh, by yeah. the end of the season, yeah, by the end of the season, it was kind of it was tough because he didn't have basically what his his offense was to start. I mean, they they went through so many injuries that. It was unrealistic to ask guys, you know, like ask them to score 35 points a game with Keyshawn Martin and and LaFell and yeah. you know Scott Chandler out there. But uh, oh. I mean, yeah, his his level of play has not fallen off at all, and he's physically probably in in as good a condition as he's ever been. So, I mean, could he play till he's 45? I guess, yeah, maybe if 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 he keeps up like this, it's just. It's going to be a tough choice for the team. Now, like, you see the continued development and, you know, the quarterback position is really evolving. You see Cam, the Cam Newens of the world, the Russell Wilsons, you know, Andrew Luck, you know, he's still a mobile quarterback with a strong arm. Do you think mm-hmm. as the years progress and seeing more quarterbacks like that, you know, continue to develop or even coming out of the draft, do you even think that maybe makes the Patriots look at Tom Brady? Mormon said, we got to start going in this direction with the quarterback for the future instead of trying to stick around with this guy who may be still playing 
at a high level at 40, 41, 42 years old? Yeah, that's a good point because uh, Garoppolo kind of, he's pretty mobile. Like Garoppolo moves yeah. around pretty well and he can throw on the run and it's pretty accurate on the run from, you know, what we've seen. It's been limited to basically like the preseason and some garbage time in regular season games. But uh, I don't I don't know if that would be a deciding factor because we've seen the Patriots offense function at an extremely high level without that kind of quarterback. So it, with guys like Deion Lewis and Edelman and obviously Gronk's going to function at a high level no matter, I think, who's, you know, what kind of offense he's in because he's just one of a kind mm-hmm. player. But it, it when we when we talk about that, if we talk about like an offensive makeover, I mean, you also have to look at, I mean, Edelman's 30 years old or he's turning 30. So like Brady might outlast Edelman and in the, if they can't get someone who's, as productive in that spot, maybe the way the Patriots play offense now isn't going to fit their personnel in like two or three years if Edelman's not the same guy in two or three years. And that's possible. I mean, receivers fall off pretty quick. Yeah. So I guess from, from that standpoint, you'd be looking not only at Brady's age, but of what personnel he has around him and what kind of offense would best fit. I, Kevin, I, I agree with you. And I say that, since I we haven't seen Brady fall off at all this whole season, and I believe you wait for this contract extension. If we you see Brady this year, I mean this following okay. 2015 2016 season, 2016 to 2017 yeah. season. Excuse me. Um, you yep. see him, you know, have the same 30 30 plus touchdowns, under 10 interceptions type season. You give why not give him another uh, an extension for maybe two two three years. If he hasn't slowed down any bit and we're still winning above 10 games, I don't see why not we continue to give this guy an extension. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I think you're right with the timing of it. I don't think they're going to – I wouldn't anticipate them making a decision on that this off season, but it'll be next off season. So that's when both of Garoppolo and Brady are heading into their contract year. I think that by then they would have to kind of, uh, you know, basically pick which one they're going to go with. And if they give it to, if they give the extension to Brady, then you have a year to basically trade Garoppolo yes. because you're committing to Brady in the long term. So yeah, we got one more season. So I think it's going to be pretty, if Brady sustains his level of play next year the way he played this year, then I mean he's going to make it tough for them not to 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 extend him. You know? Could Patriots get good value for Garoppolo? Yeah, I think so. I think that, well, I mean, they took him in the second round, so end of the second round. So I don't think they would try to flip him for, uh, you know, a late second. I, I think they would try to at least get what would be an early second round pick or maybe if there's a team out there who's willing to part with the first. If, if say, Garoppolo plays, you know, really well in the, in the preseason or, you know, they, we've seen this with quarterbacks. I mean, teams are desperate. Teams are going to overpay for quarterbacks because you have to basically – swing you have to take as many chances as you can then eventually you'll hit like look at what seattle did before they got russell wilson i mean these guys traded for charlie whitehurst they traded um basically a second round pick for charlie whitehurst uh, and they and they swapped theirs with san diego they signed matt flynn they signed tavares jackson and then they drafted russell wilson this is all in a span of two years two calendar years so they basically you know, it, that's the strategy. Like, throw up as many shots as you can and hopefully one lands and they hit with Wilson. So I think, yeah, a lot of teams will overpay and I do think the Patriots could get pretty good value for Garoppolo. Thank you. Okay, while we're running out 
we're running out of a little bit of time here, but I would love to get your um, take on any free agents you think the Patriots should go after this year. Um, well, I don't think they're going to have a ton of money to work with, and it's not normally their MO to, to make a yep. splash signing. Like I know a lot of guys, people are excited, like Alshon Jeffrey's contract is up, so he could be a free agent. Uh, I mean, it was, Alshon Jeffrey looked pretty good in the patch uniform, but I don't think that they're willing to pay – to, to um, you know that 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 position, I don't think is is worth fifty million dollars to them or whatever Alshon's going to end up commanding. Uh, Matt Forte um, is out there too. I think that probably the biggest needs on the team are whether they acquire this through the draft or or through free agency. They need to add a tackle who's a better. They need to add a young tackle who can eventually take over for Sebastian Vollmer, who's turning thirty two years old, and someone who can play right away too, because they, they need something better than what Marcus can and Cameron Fleming gave them uh, as that number three tackle this past year. Uh, they they need a between the tackles running back. I think they should draft one. I think that, I mean, each year there's probably a handful or even more than that, maybe 10 backs who come out and make some kind of impact. And there's great value to be had. I mean, Chicago drafted Jeremy Langford in the fourth round. Uh, Cardinals got David Johnson in the third round. I mean, they, they, needs to draft a back in my opinion and they'll probably need a receiver who maybe because receivers have such a hard time taking up the Patriots offense they might want to go the route of a veteran receiver rather than a rookie so Marvin play right away but yeah Marvin Jones I like Marvin Jones a lot Marvin Jones would probably be my number one on that list to be honest bonus question before we let you go Calvin Johnson retired from the Lions oh boy is Bill Belichick and the Patriots pitched playing with Tom Brady to Calvin Johnson to bring him back? They definitely could. I don't know if it would work. I mean, they definitely <laughs> should try, right? I mean, what's the I, worst he's going to say? Probably no. It happens. But, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? So, yeah, I'd be, I would be surprised if a lot of teams didn't pitch to Calvin Johnson. Um, maybe, yeah, I mean, I, maybe he just got kind of sick of the situation in Detroit and that contributed to his decision. So maybe going somewhere else would kind of revitalize him. Who knows? I mean, I don't think it would be the first time that someone retired and then came back. So I, that would definitely be enticing for, for the Patriots, for sure. Definitely. All right, Kevin, we appreciate you for your time, man. This is this means a lot. Where can we find you on social media and your work? Uh, find me on Twitter. It's at Kevin R. Duffy. And then all my work appears on MassLive.com slash Patriots. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Take it easy. And that was Kevin Duffy and his takes on the season. Mike, he had a lot of um, interesting things to say. Definitely, man. Definitely. He spoke on a lot. Um, agree, disagree, whatever the case may be. But I tell you, he made some great points. And, I mean, especially talking about this past season, you know, 2015 season for the Patriots and how it ended. It was a revenge tour, you know. That's what it was coming into the season, you know, after going through uh, Brady's trial and suspension, um, the whole PSI, everything. You know, they won the Super Bowl last year. With all of that, coming into the season, it was a straight revenge tour. And through those first, what, 10 games? About 10 games, right? Oh, man, the Patriots' Tom Brady was locked in, laser. They was like a machine, just running through teams putting up big points, Brady putting up big yards, touchdowns, you know, Gronk playing well, Edelman playing well, Deion Lewis was playing great. It was just great to see. And, I mean, 
I guess the way it ended, definitely going to uh, Denver, it was just tough to see because you figured the Patriots had a great chance of really making a push to Super Bowl 50, you know, coming out busting like they were doing to start the season. It was just a tough thing to see. Injuries, man. Injuries really caught up to us. And the one injury we couldn't, we really couldn't overcome, Deion Lewis. Yeah, losing him and what he brought to the offense, I tell you. Because, I mean, to me personally, I thought, you know, Varane was doing pretty much similar similar role last season. But I feel like he just had the extra something. He could run. He could run. He could run the ball. <laughs> he was a great pass catcher. But he, the yaks, man, yeah. the yaks. The yards after catch was incredible. And he he opened up the game for Edelman. He opened up the game for Gronkowski. He Brady, the offensive line, he made things so much easier on us. It was so easy to score 30, 40 points on these teams. We, at that time, we were still waiting on felt to get back. I mean, he was he was really the glue. And when we lost him, we lost our running game because, you know, Legere, even before LeGarrette Blunt got hurt, we really couldn't count on him. And as you guys know how the season went. It just went injury from injuries to injuries. Kevin Duff even brought up, you know, Jamie Collins. We missed him. A couple too. games, yeah. Whatever was going on with him. So, I don't know. I got to be honest, killed. though. I got to be honest, though. Despite how the season ended and whatnot, there's one thing that I definitely got to speak on. And that's the fact that those last two, three games of the regular season, I know Bill Belichick's high and mighty up in New England. I mean, you know, we everybody looks high to him. You know, you can't really say too much because at the end of the game, at the end of the day, the guy's been to what five Super Bowls, uh, one six. six Super Bowls, and won three of them. But four. Let's, come on, Mike. Four Super Bowls. <laughs> last season, last season Super Bowl still feels like this season to me. I'm going crazy. But I mean, people hold Bill Belichick in high regard, especially for New England Patriots fans. But I feel like the way the Patriots played those last. Two regular season games, Miami and I think it was uh, Philadelphia. No, Philadelphia beat us during mid mid season. It was Miami, and I forgot who they played the second to last game of the season. But I mean, I just feel like the way those games were constructed and the way Belichick wanted to run those games, he kind of played in a way to make me feel like he thought his stuff don't stink. You know what I mean? Like he figured he could. Just let's just run the ball the whole first half made, and maybe try to beat Miami. Made no damn sense. You're thinking of um, the the last game you're thinking of is the New York Jets game when we went into overtime and decided to kick the ball off. I've never heard of that nonsense in my life. I'm telling you, like I just said, uh, Belichick. Kind of was stinking in them last two games. I feel like he said, my stuff don't stink. Ain't nobody can touch me. We're going to kick in overtime. Nobody does that. Let's run the ball the whole first half against Miami. Nobody does that. But Belichick stinks stinking. He got the Jedi mind tricks. His team is better than the other team. And whatever he does is always going to work. Believe me, I'm not taking away anything from Bill Belichick. In my opinion, he'll go down as the greatest NFL coach of all time. Uh, and he's coaching the greatest quarterback of all time. So you can't really go up against him too much in everything he wants to do. But I still feel like it's just it's just the way he played those last two games is tough. And you saw the result of that being Patriots losing home field advantage 
and having to travel to play Denver, uh, play in Denver. I mean, it, it was just tough to see. But at the end of the day, it was a good season to watch. I can't take away anything from this Patriots season. You know, a lot of people, I say this all the time to friends, Patriots, sometimes, Patriots fans can be a little too... You know, they expect too much. Not to, I mean, when you play in New England, you're a Patriots fan or Boston sports fan. You want to see the best. You expect championships and whatnot. But I don't get greedy. You know, the way the season ended, I'm not going to. I wasn't going to lose myself over Denver. Yes, I want them to see them make the Super Bowl. Yes, I want them to win the Super Bowl this year. But, I mean, I tell you, thankful. I'm so thankful about last year. Of course. <clears throat> but still, Mike, what hurts, what hurts is the fact that it could have happened. It could still, with all the injuries, with all the nonsense, we still could have won. We still could have beat Broncos. I know you, you, you were upset with the, the fourth down call. The Guskowski miss. There were so many other things during that game that the offensive line, they just blocked one for one series. <laughs> True. Get rid of Marcus Cannon, for one. <laughs> just get rid of that guy. He can't block nothing. But... Injuries really killed us, and uh, Kevin said, "You know, lost potential." Lost, and, yeah, then that, that's. I feel like that's the that's the key word there. That's that's the that's the end of the story right there. That's the last chapter of the Patriots 2015 season. Call that chapter lost potential because that's really what it was. I mean, believe me, if we could rewrite that last chapter, Patriots go through everything they did last season with uh with Brady and the suspension, and all that, and you want to see Brady. Belichick, Super Bowl 50, Goodell handed him the trophy. Woo! Story, talk about a storybook ending, that is it. Super Bowl 50, that's getting all this hype, 50 years of the Super Bowl, whatever, whatever. All the former Super Bowl MVPs are coming back. And you just want to see Brady just standing on top of that stage, getting handed the trophy, maybe the, the Super Bowl, another Super Bowl MVP trophy. That would have been a storybook ending. But we saw how it went down in my high city. We just there's something about Denver, man. There's something about Denver that we could, we can't get over that hump. But I'm not as mad because I'm optimistic. You know, we're going into next season where you have all your, your your defensive guys locked in already for next year. You hope you hope for you know what's his name. You hope for Dion Lewis to get back and be who he was, and we we need to find another running back that can. Be a, a LeGarrette Blunt type player to you know to match and balance Deion Lewis. Speaking on that, okay, you said Deion Lewis is back. You know, at this point, we saw everything with with how LeGarrette, LeGarrette Blunt went out. And you saw um, Stephen Jackson step up, and he didn't play bad. You couldn't really be mad with how he played. Would you give Stephen Jackson a full no. season? <laughs> wow. Full off-season no. training. No, no, no. He's finished. Mike, what listen, is it? Listen, no. listen, listen. He came to the team sitting on his couch. Who knows if I would. Thank you. Champion. But, I mean. Thanks. You got it. This is one of. He's a we're top, on to, top we're, rusher. We're, we're on to next year. Next year, maybe bring him back. For what? That guy's a smart player. Smart player. Mike, we don't need smart. We need players to play. And he's not going to did he? What did he show you? In these five, six games that you said, oh, wow. I mean. Uh, Steven Jackson could be a big contributor I figured, in our team. I figured that uh, he, kept, he kept getting consistent playing time. 
I mean, granted, did not have too many players to put in. I think his leading rushing is 30 yards. Thanks. But, Thanks but, for the, but thanks listen, for the playing time. But listen, but at the end of the day, you give that guy a full training camp, full offseason, and say, okay, we're going to give you a chance to prove yourself. Get into the best shape possible. Get close to that to that uh, Steven Jackson from the Rams type shape. Or even, you know, his Atlanta Falcons type shape. Get into that, close enough to that shape, despite being 30 on the wrong side of 30. No, Mike. You wouldn't even give that guy a chance. finished. What what says he's finished to you? He slowed down. Even, look at his his last season with Atlanta. But he can't. But, so why his did the Patriots give him the chance? Out of all the running backs they maybe could have brought to the team, why Steven Jackson? Who? Who could they brought to the team? There was no one available. Monte Ball? He was an option. They liked Steven Jackson because of how big he was. All I'm saying is, Steven Jackson, hey, at least let him come to training. No, for what? Not even come to training. No, we're done. And try to win a position. You cut ties with Steven Jackson. You go for young, productive running backs. But all you, it's not, I'm not asking Steven Jackson to come to the team. Why would you pick Steven Jackson over someone you could draft? I'm Steven Jackson, a proven veteran. Listen, Deion Lewis. What did he prove to you in these last two seasons? Deion Lewis comes back and takes on the Saints. I mean, granted, you know, he goes through all his recovery, rehabilitation for his knee and whatnot. He comes back and he takes on that leadership role again. All you need Steven Jackson to do is be a powerhouse on third down or goal line you're situations. You're asking. You're asking a 32-year-old who will be 33 coming next season. To be a running back, you need for a for one for one yard. What was what was before before Deion Lewis went out? What was Legarrette Blunt really doing? Who was the? I, I picked Legarrette, a young Legarrette Blunt over Stephen Jackson. Oh man, I'm just saying, don't write the guy off. I write him off. He's done. He needs to retire. He had a, he had a great St. Louis career. Thirty two. I mean, 32, 33. Going to thirty three, Mike. This is a running back who has asking, a lot of miles. We're not asking him to be the main. Bug for this team. Just be a solid guy, similar to what he was doing um, this past season. Just be solid. What, that's what I'm asking you. What did you see from him this past season? Look, I saw nothing that Steven Jackson did that was productive. Hey, he scored a touchdown in the AFC <laughs> Championship game. Let's move on, man. We could go back on fourth on this. We could go back on He scored on a one-yard touchdown in the AFC Championship he, he game. He punched it in. Sign him a contract. He punched it in through that tough picked, Denver defense. I, oh I'm not mad at all. I'm saying, I'm not saying get this guy a freaking multi-year contract. Bring him to training camp. Let him get into good shape, and let's see what he can do. That's all I'm saying. All right, all right. <laughs> switching, switching gears a little bit, Mike. What did you think about what Kevin had to say about you know this PSI, this PSI situation? I'm thinking maybe because we're in New England, it's a big deal to us. But I don't know if. If this is really going to get a story. I don't think so. I mean, first of all, it's clear that Goodell and the NFL, is kind of, it's like they're trying to hide something. They're not giving out all the information. They're not giving the numbers. But honestly, I feel like they can give a, a rat's tootie about PS, PSI and other NFL cities. They're not talking about PSI in St. Louis. They're not talking about PSI in, in Texas. They're not talking about PSI and other 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 NFL uh, town, towns and cities or whatever. It's only because PSI and the Patriots have a connection from over the past like two a year, two years, whatever. That's the only reason why it's getting a lot of coverage now. 
I mean, you turn on Comcast Sportsnet or 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 Nesson, you know, they're gonna have a little coverage on it because we already have, uh, you know, the New England fans, uh, Patriots already have some beef and, and tension with the NFL and Roger Goodell. Um, PSI, anytime people's gonna hear the, uh, those letters, PSI, they're automatically gonna attribute it to Tom Brady and the Patriots. It's just gonna forever have a connection, kind of like probably if anybody talks about. Maybe your team's recording plays or something. People's going to think, hmm, maybe Spygate, Patriots. It's just always going to have a connection, and they're just going to be drawn together for the near future. I mean, that's all I can really get about it. But still, at the same time, you got Goodell in the NFL kind of seeming like they're not being fully honest and want to give all the information out. Kind of. <laughs> I think it's a big story. The way the Patriots were nationally nationally criticized, ridiculed, the jokes of all jokes. Everyone's still making jokes about the flake gate. And then you got this big, high, I call him a con artist, Roger Goodell, trying to bring the Patriots down. And now when we ask you for information, you don't want to give out information anymore. Some true funny business. I can't lie. Some true funny business indeed. Uh, it's just It's just weird. Personally, I'm sick and tired of hearing anything PSI, deflated footballs. I know after the um, the Broncos game, I think it was Vaughn Miller wanted to make a joke about uh, the ball. The, inter- the When the he intercepted, it, it, it felt a little flat. It felt a little flat. Haha, <laughs> funny jokes. Haha, <laughs> funny. I mean, but I'm just sick and tired of it. Like, let it go. Uh, despite what you want to say about the NFL, Roger Goodell, they're clearly make, taking all the steps right now to make sure that the ball pressure is not altered or anything like that. So, I mean, say what you want. If you want to think the Patriots cheated, not cheated, the, the fact of the matter is the NFL's taking all the proper steps to make sure nothing like that happens again. There's never any situation where the pressure and the balls might be altered or whatnot. So, that's just what it is at the end of the day. All right. I told myself, like, last year we'll never talk about Gate again. But somehow, some way, it, and if it finds us. We're done. No more deflate gate. I hope, hopefully, here on Patriots Beatcast podcast. I tell you, man, I'm we won't talk good. about this no more. We're good. We're good. Um, something I want to talk about: Malcolm Butler. He was recent. He's recently at the, you know the Super Bowl events, and Doug Kide, sports beat Beatcast um reporter, ended up talking to him and just asking him some questions. And Malcolm Butler was saying how you know he's. He's excited for next season. He's working working very hard, and he's going to be a lot better than he was this year. I mean, he was a pro bowler this year, to a lot of people's surprise. What should we expect from Malcolm Butler and the secondary? And I want to add another thing. I know we, we like to harp a lot on the secondary of the New England Patriots, but Mike, I don't think the secondary took a step backwards from last year. If when I really think about it. Sure we lost Revis and sure we lost Browner. But then again, how much of help was Browner? Revis, he was he was vital. vital helped us win a, sh- a championship. But did we did we lose so much when we lost Revis? I mean the thing with Malcolm Butler is coming into this past season he was gonna. He got straight pushed into that big time role, number one cornerback on the New England Patriots depth chart. And 
I feel like he he did exactly what he was supposed to do when he got into that position. You know, the Patriots coaching staff, they put a lot of pressure on him to be that guy to go out there and maybe cover uh, the best te- the, uh, the op- opposing team's best receiver. And he did a hell of a job. He did a hell of a job the, so well that he got uh, selected to the Pro Bowl. And, I mean, apart from Malcolm Butler, I can't say that they took a I, – I, I agree with you. They didn't take a major step back coming into the season. They did a solid job, led by Malcolm Butler. They did a solid job. Um, the secondary did a solid job against teams throughout the season. But when it comes to Malcolm Butler, for sure, I think he has no other place to go after this past season but up and continue to improve. I mean, it was a Pro Bowl season, yes, but as young as he is, he can still have, he still has a chance to improve and get better and really start to I'm even. I'm gonna go out and say he can start to rise and get to that level of a Sherman or a Peterson, stop. and and, stop, and maybe stop, be stop. a lot. He's younger than he's younger than those guys. Okay. He if he has the chance, but he doesn't. He's limited compared to those guys. He has to improve. He has the chance to improve. Okay, but compared to the Shermans, the Patrick Peterson, he can. What he can improve on is his his awareness, how he can play smarter, and yeah, sure, but. To compare him to the Shermans and Petersons of, of the world, I don't think he has. He's not athletically gifted like I'm those not dudes. saying now, but I'm saying over time. I'm not saying he's a Sherman or a Peterson. I'm not saying he's in that class now. No way. He has a long way to go. But I'm saying over time, if he takes what he did this past season, uh, all the success that he had, uh, that he had, and being able to be so, get noticed enough to be selected to the Pro Bowl, he just has to con- continue to build. His future's bright. Yep. He, has to, he has to build on that. Exactly. His future's bright. And if he continues to build on that, I'm saying over time, as young as he is, I mean, it's only, what, a second year in the league? I think it was yes, the second year. Yes, it's the second year. He has, a lot, he has a lot of room to grow to really be taking notice as a top cornerback in this league. He has a long way to go. And he can't just – he cannot – have the success he did last season and 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 get complacent and want and want to feel like all right I did enough I'm good I mean I've, I've noticed and just he has to continue to grow and really get to that next level of a real somewhat lockdown corner we see it all last season he was put on some of the best receivers each game the first game of the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers the Patriots put him on Antonio Brown and yes. Tony Brown gave him the business. For, for, for <laughs> Tony Brown gave him the business, but it was his baptism by fire. That's what some people like to call it, and that's exactly what it was. And we saw throughout the course of the season against other teams, um, he held his own for the most part. He held his own, and you can't be mad at that. What we do need, though, is us. We need to have, stop having these no-name cornerbacks. We. I'm tired of seeing a Coleman. I'm tired of seeing um, a McLean. We had too many, too many no names covering named receivers and getting <laughs> beat, which killed us and Malcolm Butler at the same time. I mean, Logan Ryan had his days. He had his days off, off and on. When he, when he was, sometimes he would play the best receivers, and Malcolm Butler would play the, he'll play the biggest receiver. You'll see him on a Demarius Thomas, and and so what. So. We need to definitely improve our secondary in that aspect. And McCordy, um, what would you say, McCordy? Oh, it was McCordy had a rough year. I feel like I honestly think McCordy had a rough year. Uh, I mean, I think he definitely did better last year playing alongside Revis. Because say what you want, but I think Revis 
played a, a leadership, definitely played a leadership role for McCourty. I mean, I think McCourty fed, fed off of Revis's yeah. presence on the field, and even Browner too. Despite Browner, you know, being a guy got penalized a lot for different things, but I feel like McCourty definitely fed off the leadership that Revis and Browner um, brought to the Patriots. But uh, he kind of stepped up into a leadership role of his own. You know, he didn't have. Revis and Browner next to him, but I mean, you kind of looked at McCourty in that secondary as the leader out there. I mean, compared to last season, I mean, he su- he suffered some, he dealt with some injuries this year to kind of threw him off. But I don't think his level of play was was as good as it was during the uh, the Super Bowl run that season. But I wouldn't say I wouldn't shy away from McCourty. I th- still think he's a solid safety back there. I mean, and Chung Chung is definitely I I love. How Chung played. I love yeah. the way he played against tight ends. Um, he's def- Chung has definitely come a long yeah. way from when we drafted him, traded him. Now that he's, he's back, back, he's come a long way for us. And that's what a lot of teams want out of their safety. They want a safety who, you know, they have a good, a good coverage safety to really scan the field and survey it. But I really like the fact that we have a hard-hitting uh, safety back there similar to, to Chung. You know, I'm not saying he's like them, but... Rodney Harrison was like that when he they was have been chung in the Rodney yeah, Harrison role. A hard hitting role. If you want to go back further than that, uh, Lauren Malloy was that hard hitting kind of yeah. safety, and I like the fact that Chung has really stepped into that role to be the kind of the enforcer in the secondary. And you know, you know, players see when Chung's coming at you, you know, you're gonna get hit with the boom. So, I mean, the secondary they're young. There's a lot of improvement. I think with Chung, McCordy, and um, and and uh, Butler, solid. But I feel like for that for that opposite cornerback, I, I want a, a solid veteran. I'd like to see a solid veteran um, back uh, alongside Malcolm Butler to just give a little more veteran presence to that secondary. I I definitely I definitely agree with that. Um, I would like to to I would like for us to actually draft a cornerback early as well. I don't. Last year we drafted some no name corners and they never got on the field once. True, a lot of guys got cut too that they brought in. Yep. So it was tough to see. But who knows what what will happen with the draft? You know, the free agents. You never know who the Patriots will take a chance on and bring in a training camp. They come in, work a couple of days, they might get cut. Make it make it to an exhibition game, they might get cut. Who knows? You never know what the Patriots are working on. But I'd love to see. You gotta. You took a chance with bringing in Malcolm Butler. Um, got to take a chance with a hopefully getting a nice cornerback to start to build up. But I think unless you find someone who really stands out and has a lot of potential once you draft them and they go through training camp and exhibition, I'd love to see like just a solid veteran come in and be on the opposite field of of of, of Butler. Definitely, and um, spoke on free agency. I. Have three, three rosters that I would really, three players I would really love the Patriots to look at. One player that me and Kevin were speaking of earlier were Marvin Jones. I say, I know some people's dead. To, he's dead to some people's hearts. He he got a Super Bowl with us, but get rid of LaFell. <laughs> True. Get get rid of LaFell. I'm sorry, like. We, I, I don't know if it's the injury that really took a toll on him or what, <laughs> being off the field for so long. I don't know what, what it was. But LaFell came to the Patriots last season and had a career year, I'm pretty sure. He put up some career yeah. numbers with the Patriots. 
And like I said, I don't know if it was the injury took a toll on him or being away from the game for so long, but he clearly came back, you know, midway through the season um, and wasn't wasn't the same player. And to replace LaFell, Marvin Marvin Jones, he's at the same height. He'll fill the end of LaFell, 6'2", 198 pounds, 65 receptions this season, 816 yards, four touchdowns. And he has great hands. And that's what you really need. When you have a quarterback like Tom Brady who will put the ball in the right in the right place for for a receiver tight end to catch it, you need a guy with solid hands that'll catch the ball. Cause you know Brady Brady if Brady wants to put it down to your to your knees, I mean sometimes it's a bad pass. But sometimes Brady's making those pass to make to, to, to be easier uh for the receiver to catch it and to try to get away from the quarterbacks or defenders coming at you. So Brady will find a, a, a receiver tight end with good hands. That's all you need, though, just good hands, solid hands. Not them stone hands that mm-hmm. LaFell really showed this past season. And Marvin Jones won't won't demand as much. You know, Patriots don't pay anyway. So he's a player that won't demand that much money. Next person on my list will be Chris Ivory, Chris Ivory, the running back for the New York Jets. And the thing about Chris Ivory, he had a great, great year. Um, he's 1,070 yards rushing, seven rushing touchdowns for the New York Jets. And he was slowed down with injuries this past year as well. The only thing about Chris Ivory, because he had a career year, he will be demanding some money. And Patriots don't give a damn about running backs when it comes to money. <laughs> Patriots don't give a damn about too many people, too many players when it comes to money. And I always say this, Patriots make a lot of money. They have a lot of money to give players. They're just cheap. They just don't want to pay top dollar for players. A Dion Lewis and Chris Ivory duo? <laughs> That's to replace my Steven Jackson idea, huh? <laughs> I can roll with that, though. Chris Ivory and Deion Lewis, I think, would be a wonderful addition in our running running backs. I mean, that's what it is with the Patriots. They they really like that one two punch. You don't you wouldn't you won't see a pitch uh, a running back um, come to the Patriots and be kind of like uh, some of these other guys, like Matt Forte or Aaron Foster's, or you know, rush the ball for thirty plus times a game or whatever. Patriots like that one two punch, especially a guy who can you know. Catch it out of the backfield and make moves, um, and then they like that power back, similar to what they've had the past couple seasons with a uh, Deion Lewis and um, or uh, Shane Vereen, um, Legarrette Blunt. That's what they like, and I feel like, hey, if you get Deion Lewis back, you know, like I said, you know, recovers from his his knee injury, you know, the rehab and everything goes well, and he's able to show that he you know he could be the similar player that he was from this past uh, season before he got hurt. And then you bring in a solid guy like Chris Ivory to be that power back to really um, get some yards up the middle. One, two punch like that could work. But, like, that's is I, I really think Chris Ivory is going to be unrealistic because he did have a career year. The money is going to be there. And running backs, I know they're cheap, but when when they're super cheap, it's, it's, with, it's with running backs. I'll tell you this, Marv. You just got to think about it like this. Before Deion Lewis came to the Patriots, who was he? I never heard of the man. Nope. So, you're talking about Chris Ivory. My thing is, at the end of the day, Patriots might find the garbage man off the street, the mailman, 
the 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 lunch the cafeteria lady who knows and just plug them into that running back role and they might be solid. The Patriots have a gift of finding these guys who you never heard of them before. Who was a Wes Walker before he came to the Patriots? Bum. Who was Nobody. Deion Lewis before last season? Nobody. And he was looking like <laughs> one of the best running backs in the league. Patriots have a, a way of making those type of things happen. One thing I want to bring up though is um uh. Like we saw from this past AFC Championship game. Can I get my last free agent in there? I said I had three. Oh, my fault. Sheesh. Who is it? Another receiver? No, no, no. The third free agent that I want us to look at is Ronaldo McClain. He was a player that the Patriots were trying to sign last year. And we all see what's happening with uh, Gerard Mayo. Past season, he's been getting hurt. Ronaldo McClain, I feel like, will fit perfectly in that backup linebacker role. Come in when players are hurt or need um, need some rest and just fill that role in perfectly. I mean, McClain, the thing about McClain is he did give up a high percentage of completions in coverage, 69%, according to Pro Football Focus. But he allowed only just 18 receptions total and no touchdowns on the season. That's 15 receptions for each game play that he played. The Patriots honestly would have no problem finding a role for him there. And he, he won't cost that much money. And he'll be the perfect replacement for Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo, I love him. I love Gerard Mayo. But I really feel like his time with the Patriots has come and gone. Do you think it's? Do you think it will come down to more of... Maybe Gerard Mayo wants more more money in the picture. Say, Ger- yeah. Gerard Mayo will not cook. He knows he can't ask for no money. I mean, but I'm saying, will it come down to the say, you know, Gerard Mayo, maybe feels he's been around for long enough, so he deserves a little more than maybe the veteran minimum contract or whatever? Or do you just feel like the pitcher is going to just say, cut ties, thanks for your time here, but we're just I moving th- on? I here. think that's what the, the latter. Just thank you. I mean, you just haven't been there for us these past three, three years. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, yeah, that's a, a you got a young guy to step up and replace Draw Mayo into that into that role. I mean, who knows? Who knows? My thing is though, I feel like the biggest thing for the Patriots this offseason, you have to find better protection for Tom Brady. If that guy is going to be your quarterback, your starting quarterback for the next year, the year after that, whatever the case may be, Patriots must spend top dollar to put the best protection in front of that man. Major key. That's the major key right That's there. That's all it is. Protect Brady. You see that? You see that? You don't have a... He's not a Russell Wilson. He's not a Cam Newton. He's not going to scramble. Sure, we got a couple of glimpses of Brady <laughs> leaving a pocket and picking up, you know, 10 yards or something. You know, a couple of games he led, led the team in rushing and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know Brady is going to do the most damage, the best damage in the league when he gets the time in the pocket to find receivers down the field. And just, you can't allow him at 38, 39 years old to get beat up and crushed. You can't, when these guys like, like Cannon can't cover, you know, shoulders uh, covered, I mean, um, pass blocking has been kind of iffy sometimes too. You got to get the best in front of him. And that's... I know receiver, running back, whatever the case may be, cornerback. None I think of it my, matters. None though. of it matters if you can't get the best protection in, in front of Brady. That's what I want to see coming out of this offseason. Pro- protect, protect, protect. And, yeah, all the money should just be on the offensive line. I mean, Patriots made the first step. They fired that um, <laughs> off- offensive line. <laughs> the offensive they line told them to hit the bricks, bro. Uh, hit the road, <laughs> Jack. 
And but we'll see. I mean, in other news though, Dominic Easley won't require surgery on his injured quad and expected to be ready for this offseason, sources told by Jeff Howe of the Boston Herald. Easley. If he can stay healthy, man. Ah, easily. If he can stay healthy. He could be solid for that defense. It's just, a, that that if is all <laughs> capital letters, man. You just need that guy to stay healthy. He could be right there with Chandler Jones, uh, Hightower, Jamie Collins. He could be a real key key piece that I off. I mean, that defense if he stays healthy, man, definitely. Yeah, dump. So do you? But say he doesn't stay healthy. This God forbid he doesn't stay healthy this next season. Did we waste good talent on getting Dominic Easley? Because he hasn't produced much for us. Yeah, but He's can, given a small sample. Can you really blame the Patriots for taking a chance on this guy who was, I guess he was a great college player. You know, I don't know, I don't really know his stats and how he performed but in college. But the signs were there. The signs were there that he was injury prone. They took a chance on saying, you know, we get this guy and if he can stay healthy, he, he'll be a key contributor to that defensive line. And I mean, they just, the Patriots just ch- took a chance and that's really all it was. I mean, I can't really be mad at the Patriots for taking a chance because, like, like we both have uh, have seen, when he's on the field and, and gets the time and he's healthy, he can really be a key piece and make things happen. Very, very, very true. But that's all I have on my playlist. It's a great playlist indeed. And, and like we said to start the show, you know, we are the new voices of Patriots beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am Mr. Mike Nice, once again here with my co-host. I am DJ Mees. Mike Nice, where can they find you? They can find me. Follow me at Twitter, at Mr. Underscore Mike Nice. Uh, that's where you can follow me at. What about you? I am DJ Mees. You can follow me at Meezy Does It. That's M-E-E-Z-Y-D-U-Z-I-T. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Patriot Nation, we will be here for you. Continue to listen and check us out. Any last words, DJ Mees? Get ready. It's about to be a fun ride for us. Buckle up, folks. Signing out.